hands one more time to Jesus. To Him alone be all the glory and the praise and honor forever. Hallelujah. Can I give God a shout of praise one more time? your hand on your head and say I'm under grace I reign in grace one more time I'm under grace I want you to picture any place in your life you seem to struggle and mention it and say I bring it under grace whichever area subject that under grace Maro kabaraba shambaraba abaraba shunde karabate mama raba kabaraba shande. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And say, I grow in grace. That means that if God was doing three things for you, now God is going to do seven things for you. Yeah. And you are going to be in rest. And God will do many things for you. Hallelujah. To him alone be glory. Can you please be seated? Hallelujah. We are full of glory. Can you turn to your neighbor? Just smile to your neighbor. You are all welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are all welcome. Both far and near now. All of you. Pastor Israel, thank you for coming all the way from Togo. And uh, Sister Vicky, all the way from Togo. <laughs> I came with my beautiful wife. Yeah. As well as my team. Hallelujah. Prof. Manasseh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving me and believing in me. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready? Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 thank you blessed Holy Spirit have dominion and take preeminence Father we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation thank you for brooding and hovering all around us thank you Father thank you Father to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved to the praise of the glory of his grace 
wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Say, I'm accepted in the beloved. What a marvelous verse of scripture. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein. So in this very verse we can see how the apostle defines grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the, in the beloved. Actually gr grace is to be. What is grace? In the text. Grace means to be accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein. Now he explains grace. Wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Now some of the manuscript actually says. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So grace is to be accepted in the beloved. Is to be made accepted in the beloved. Are you here tonight? accepted in the beloved actually when Paul there's a play of words grace is caress but accepted is also carry to carry to from caress so you can read it to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has, he has made us or he has graced us in the beloved you know to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has he has graced us in the beloved now the word accepted carry to in the greek actually means to be compassed with favor it means to be surrounded with favor to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has surround, surrounded us compassed us with favor in the beloved Say, I'm compassed about with favor. Yeah. We are surrounded with favor. Yeah, that means favor is out, it's your defense. Wherever you turn, wherever you turn, favor becomes your shield. Surrounded with favor. Compassed with favor. Now, the word carry to, accepted, is used two times in the New Testament only twice now let's see the other place it is used so we can understand what Paul is saying it's, it is used only in two places this is the first place and the next place we can find that in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 28 Luke chapter 1 verse 28 when the angel visited Mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail Thou that, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now the word highly favored. Thou that art highly favored is a word karuto. It's the same word accepted in Ephesians 1 verse 6. It is used only twice in the entire New Testament. So you can read it this way, Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein we are highly favored in the beloved. You understand? Now, he has made us highly favored in the beloved. Highly favored. 
they occur only two places in the New Testament. Highly favored in the beloved. Highly. So the word accepted means highly favored in the beloved. Say, I am highly favored in the beloved. Now, if you want to, I mean, think of Mary. Of all women, since the first prophecy in the Bible, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. And every woman in Judah was expecting to be used to fulfill that prophecy. So for 4,000 years, the lady God chose was Mary. So she was highly favored. In her womb, Mary carried God in her womb. (laughs) What a favor. (laughs) So she was highly favored. And now, our acceptance is the same. We are highly favored in the beloved. Now, Mary carried God. Mary carried the God-man for only nine months. You know what we carry? We carry the Holy Ghost. (laughs) We are carrying the Holy Ghost. Look, we are highly favored. When the Bible says, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Now, the word temple... When the Bible says your body is a temple, is the word naos. Sometimes temple is helios, but naos is the word for holies of holies. Holies of holies. You know, the holies of holies was entered in once a year by the high priest. And there was a lot of uncertainty whether he could survive or not. Once a year, the holies of holies. But we have become a living, working, mobile holies of holies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we carry the Holy Ghost everywhere. That is to be highly favored, except you don't know the Holy Ghost. To be highly favored, the Holy Ghost. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible, but uh, the Holy Ghost is called the promise. <laughs> when you have Him, you have all the promises. Jesus said, if you then been evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost? Yeah, the Holy Ghost is the embodiment of every good gifts. Praise God. So you are highly favored. If, please, let's go back to Ephesians 1.6. You are highly favored in the beloved. Highly favored in the beloved. Now, now, God could have said, Paul could have written it this way, that we are highly favored in Christ. It's the same. Or in him. But he chose a word of endearment and he used the word beloved. Agapao, which speaks of the object of God's love. All of God's love, all of God's attention is set on his son. It's Jesus. He's the beloved. He's the object of his love. So, for us to be accepted or highly favored in the beloved. Now, the word in speaks of locative sphere or locative case. That means that is where we are located. It's like you have a glass and you have a little glass in a big glass. The favor of the big glass becomes the favor of the little glass. (laughs) Where the big glass is, is where the little glass is. So, now we are in the beloved. So because his, the beloved is the object of his love, we have become the object of God's love. Now he, le- he loves us as the beloved. Because to be accepted in the beloved is to be acceptable as the beloved. 
and amazingly, the word beloved in, in the Greek is, is in the perfect tense. That means the father has loved the son in the past, in the present, in the future. Nothing changes. And we are in the beloved. We are permanently and infinitely, perpetually locked up in him. Locative case. We are the object of the father's love. Today, God the father loves you just as he loves his son. No wonder he doesn't love his son more than you. He's the same. You just have to grow to believe in his love. See, I'm in the beloved. I'm in the beloved. You know how God sees you? The day you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, you have made it. <laughs> because God never sees you outside the beloved. He always sees you in the beloved. That is why in the tabernacle of Moses, God gave us a visual aid, a photo album of our position in Christ. The tabernacle had wooden boards. All around the tabernacle was a kind of wooden board, 48 of them. And God told Moses to overlay the gold, overlay the wood with gold. So it is wooden, but the wood is covered with gold. So when you see the wood, you don't see the wood. What you see is gold. And wood, you see, sometimes as Christians, we see each other in our fault. Because experientially and obviously, the guy is misbehaving. So when you see that brother or that sister or that roommate, sometimes what comes to your mind first is her stubbornness. Aha, this guy is too stubborn. He's coming again. So we see weaknesses and shortcomings and failures that is the wood wood is humanity but God said cut overlay the wood with gold and now God doesn't see the wood God sees the gold so when God sees you he doesn't see your weaknesses and failures and mistakes and shortcomings he sees you in the beloved <laughs> that's how he sees you <laughs> yeah 48 bought that is why for 48 times the Bible says in him, we are in him. We are hidden in him perpetually. Praise God. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein we are highly favored. Now, this verse, you should go and sleep with this verse and think upon it day and night. And as you are walking, you confess it, I am highly favored in the beloved. I'm highly favored. I'm, it comes by, by meditation. That is when it can sink now the longest distance is from your head to your heart you can say many things but you, you, there's no heart experience but once you meditate and it, it enters your heart it becomes life I'm highly favored in the beloved look at verse 7 it says in whom we have redemption through his blood in who? in the beloved in the beloved we have redemption grace is so vast we have redemption through his blood actually the word redemption here is in the present tense it is an action in the present tense in a continual fashion literally the word actually means automatic redance in whom we have automatic redance 
Now, redemption, for instance, in a Psalm 25, verse 22, David prayed that uh, God, let God redeem, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. It was a wonderful prayer. But we have that prayer answered for us in Ephesians 1 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. You know what it means? We have automatic redemption through his blood. It doesn't even happen. <laughs> it is automatically happening. You know what it means? As you are moving, you are delivered from evil. Automatically. And that's what the blood is doing. The blood of the sprinkling. Perpetually being sprinkled. You are automatically being delivered from harm, from danger, from evil, from curse. From automatic redundance in whom we have it. I know you are wondering about why, why, why all these troubles. But we have automatic redundance. But you need the word of God because sometimes, you know, the flow stops because of our fears and our worries and our unbelief and our, all of these things. <laughs> but there's an automatic redundance. Hallelujah. All right, now I want to demonstrate to you how we are accepted in the beloved. I need a tall person. Pastor Joshua, you, you are really tall. Can I use you? See? <laughs> now, you are going to represent Adam. Now, we can understand our acceptance by our federal headship. Understands that there are two federal headships or two federal systems. The first one God created, his name was Adam. Now God made Adam a federal head. You know federal headship. He's a representative of his race. So that whatever happens to him happens to his race. Now, God created all of us once. Now, creation doesn't occur in different times. He created all human beings once and put every human being in Adam's body. Creation occurred once, but birth occurred in different times. We are all born in different times. But your unborn children were already created in Adam. So, creation is once, but birth is in different times. And now, God made Adam a corporate man the federal head, the representative of his race, so that whatever happens to him happens to his race. So that whatever he does is genetically transmitted into his procreation. I follow him. So, when Adam sinned, all his race had sinned, although they were not born. When Adam was condemned, all his race was condemned, although they, were, they are not born. <laughs> when Adam came under judgment, the divine sentence, all of his race came under judgment, although they were not born. When Adam was rejected, she was rejected from Eden, in that rejection, and he lost his grounds before God, all of us were rejected. So it's not a matter of your rejection. It's a matter of his rejection. 
When he was rejected, you were rejected. When he sinned, automatically, you were not even born, but you sinned. For as in Adam, all died. So in Christ, all shall be made alive. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and for that death is what passed upon all men, so all have sinned. In Romans 5, verse 12. Praise God. So now, this is federal headship. It's very important. We are intricately linked and joined together. For instance, if your grandfather died as a young boy before giving birth, you wouldn't have been here. True or false? If your grandfather died as a boy, you wouldn't have been here. Yeah. So we are all intricately linked together. So it wasn't you sinning, it was Adam sinning. It, it's not about you being rejected, it was Adam who was rejected. Because whatever happened to him, happened to you. He was the one who was condemned, and you were born condemned. <laughs> All the diseases and the sickness and the curse that came on him, it came on you. You had done nothing. It's about federal headship. Praise God. Adam. Adam. In God's wisdom, once upon a time, God gave us a new federal head to become the head of a new race. Hallelujah. Pastor Emma, can you come? I think you match his height. First Adam, last Adam. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're almost the same. Right. All right. So now, this is the first man, this is the second man. You know what God did? <laughs> almost like God brought. <laughs> so this is a new, a new federal system, a new federal head called Christ. Now, God brought Christ to become the head of a new race. So that whatever happens to him happens to us. So God put all of us in him. So that when he died, though you were not born, you died. <laughs> when he was buried, we were buried with him. <laughs> when he was resurrected, we were resurrected. When he was raised and has raised us up together. When he sat and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, whatever happens to happen to him has not happened to us. His freedom from Satan is our freedom from Satan. His health now becomes your health. His justification becomes your justification. His exaltation becomes your exaltation. His acceptance becomes your acceptance. Listen, it's not a matter of whether you are accepted or not. It's a matter of whether your father head is accepted. Because it was not a matter of whether you were rejected or not. Once Adam, your head was rejected, you were automatically rejected. If your father head is accepted, you are accepted. So now, listen, it's not even a matter of saying, am I in right standing with God? No. 
Is your federal head in right standing with God? You know why? Because you are in him. So he's your right standard. So whatever he is, that's why when you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible to find yourself. You read the Bible to find him. Because when you find him, you find yourself. Because he's the measure of our worth before God. And our identity before God. That is why he said, as he is, so are we in this world. Whatever has happened to him has happened to us. You know where he is now? At the right hand of God. Do you know how close you are to God? So close, you cannot be close again. Enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. This man is at the right hand of God. So close. Because you are in him. Now, experientially, we say we go to the Father. But the truest, the true, the truest truth, <laughs> the truth is that you are so close to the Father. Apostle Paul told the Hebrews to come boldly unto the throne of grace. And uh, having therefore brethren boldness to enter. Experientially, we are getting closer to God. But positionally, we don't even go. We are already there. We, are, we, we never leave the Father's presence. We are there. That is why you must pray from your position. See him so close because you are the right hand. Yeah, <laughs> see him so close. Don't see the father to be far. You never leave his presence. That's where you are. Your father, your federal head is there. How can you be rejected? Except he is rejected. How can you be rejected? Except your federal head is rejected. He can never be rejected. <laughs> Praise God. Your acceptance is not based on your conduct. Otherwise, you fail in one day. Is based on your federal head because you are in him hallelujah but unfortunately a lot of Christians anytime you exalt sickness you exalt depression you exalt worry you exalt poverty complaining you know what you are doing you are identifying with the wrong man you are identifying with the wrong federal head because actually you have been translated from the authority of darkness from Adam you have been translated and when he said we have been translated from the authority of darkness the Greek actually means total transfer like the way Enoch was translated you are far you are here whatever you are experiencing here is not the real you hallelujah So it's all about him. It's all about him. Is he in right standing with God? Hallelujah. Then I am. He's my federal head. He can never lose his position. So am I. This is our confidence to serve and worship God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Say, so Jesus is my federal head. Whatever happened to him has happened to me. Yeah. 
and now you are accepted in the beloved in the beloved in the beloved you are so loved <laughs> your position is the envy of angels the second thing I want to talk about concerning our acceptance is found in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22 you have to understand that Jesus Christ is our surety our surety by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament hallelujah by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament now what's a surety a surety is a bondsman a guarantor one who co-signs for the payment of a debt a surety one who gives security Jesus became the Bible says the surety a surety of a better testament now firstly the word surety means a bondsman <clears throat> who is a bondsman a bondsman is like a substitute one who officially or legally undertakes the responsibility of another another person who cannot discharge his own responsibility he undertakes that duty for him that's a surety now we see the example of a surety in the old testament and in the new now in genesis chapter 44 verse 32 the bible says that judah became a surety for benjamin do you remember that when the sons of jacob went the second time to, to meet their brother joseph the story unfolds how that uh, joseph's silver cup was found in a sack of benjamin and when it was found he had to be arrested he had to be arrested and uh, instantly judah showed up and this is what judah said for thy servant became a surety for the lord unto my father saying if i bring him not unto thee then i shall bear the blame to my father forever praise god the next verse now therefore i pray thee let thy servant abide instead of the lord a born man to my lord and let the lord go up with his brethren so judah was willing to be imprisoned in the stead of joseph of benjamin he was willing to undertake his blame and to be imprisoned so that benjamin would go free so he became liable for his failure for his blame so that benjamin could go scot-free because if he if he doesn't go back to jacob jacob was going to die now the steps judah took to replace benjamin is what we call the surety a bondsman praise god so he took the blame upon him and to be imprisoned instead of his brother that's a surety in the book of philemon chapter 1 verse 18 philemon was a very wealthy man and uh, he had a slave called onesimus onesimus and this guy 
dishonored his master and ran away probably stole some money and ran away and uh, Paul met him and Paul led him to Christ now Paul was sending him back to Philemon and this is what Paul said if he had wronged thee or owed thee owed thee ought put that on my account I understand that to be a runaway slave was a capital punishment it was punishable by death if he ran away as a slave and uh, he ran away and probably he had and if he, he owed thee probably he had stolen from his master so Paul said okay let him go scot-free and put that on my account that's a surety the Bible says that by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament I I catching it so Jesus actually took our place he became liable for our failures and our sins and our shortcomings and our death instead of we because we could we could not discharge our responsibility or the due punishment that was due us Jesus now took our place to bear the consequences of our actions the penalty of our sins he became a bondsman so God blamed him with our blame that's why today we are blameless because God put our blame on him in his side but a surety is a guarantor let me explain one who co-signs for the payment of a debt some years ago when we were in school um, in the universities when they get to first year there was I don't know whether it's still done there was opportunity to for snake loans how many of you took a loan, snake loans yeah the moment you get to first year they offer the loan to you they'll give you the money but before they give it to you you need to, you need to provide a guarantor you go to the person and the person has to sign and uh, the money was big it could care for you your four year for your four year uh, school experience I remember I took one of the forms but I never got a guarantor <laughs> actually I thank God I didn't get but what happened was that after national service there were you the agreement was that after service you will work to pay but after service there were many who never got a job and there were others who also traveled outside the country some literally ran away <laughs> and the guarantor was now liable for the payment so in our time it was difficult to get a guarantor because they knew that the guys were not faithful enough after school they ran away they would enjoy all the money on campus and run away so getting a guarantor was very difficult why because he has append his signature he has your signature is there but he has also co-signed legally officially that if he doesn't pay i'm going to pay praise god the guarantor is a surety the bible says jesus became <laughs> a surety of a better testament you know what it means <laughs> obviously we 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 are so wretched we couldn't pay there's nothing we could do no, there's no possibility so jesus co-signed the covenant and became liable 
and he actually undertook what, what we couldn't pay and he actually because he signed for us he's liable for our failures our mistakes our shortcomings our sins our transgressions our iniquities he is the man that showed up so God looks to our guarantor for his satisfaction he doesn't look to you for your, for his satisfaction because he undertook your place legally he legally undertook your place to be your surety hallelujah can you imagine that now God this is so serious God is not blaming you for the wrong you have done because you cannot pay he's requiring it from your surety this is grace and I look at something by so much was Jesus made a surety now the word made by so much was Jesus made a surety is perfect indicative active in the Greek why do I say this perfect tense means that it is a completed action permanent result past present future once and for all past present future indicative means it's established it's a statement of fact active voice means that he's actively working as your guarantor as your surety so you know what if jesus became our surety in the past wow that's wonderful that means that in the past god blamed him for all our sins and failures of the past but he's our surety past present and future this is wild this is wild and, and this is the bible that means that even today all your foolish things sorry to say that and all your failures <laughs> because jesus co-signed the father is the one who holds him responsible and not you that's a surety that is why he said this thing is by so much not by so little have you seen by so much it's too great to comprehend it is it, it's, it, it's so much <laughs> it's so much we are, we've only scratched the surface of our redemption the privileges if God is to open them to us I'm sure we will run the whole night and say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus is this true can this be possible it is true The day I got to know that Jesus is my surety, I knelt down. I, I, I didn't know whether I should prostrate or lie down or sit down, just praising him. So what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? Now, the father holds him responsible for your present mistakes. Who has heard such a thing? In a perfect tense. Indicative. Active voice. The father appointed him once and for all to be your eternal surety. A surety is one who gives security. He has become your eternal security. You are secured. That is grace. Praise God. That is your federal head. Your federal head. Now look at what it says. It says by so much. Now this, this is not the beginning of a sentence. It's a continuation. By so much now by so much answers to verse 20 it says in as much look at verse 20 and in as much as not without an oath he was made priest 
21. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swore and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, his priesthood was what qualified him to be a surety. Now, in the Old Testament, Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. But Aaron was a surety of the Old Covenant. While Moses was a mediator, Aaron was a surety of that covenant. Because he was the one who did the sacrifices for them because they were owing God. And he was the one who was appointed to bear the iniquity of the holy things. So Aaron shall bear the iniquity of the holy things. I'll explain. Praise God. Now, in those days, in the Old Testament, the priest was your connection with God. Actually, the priest was your standing before God. Whatever the priest is, that's how the people are. As with the priest, so are the people. So, on the day of atonement, the, the young Kippur, when the priest is going inside, listen, you, can, you, you might have done good all your life, the whole year. Maybe you've done good the whole year. But when the priest stands before God, God doesn't see him. He sees him as a representative man. Because on his chest are engraved the 12 tribes of Israel. So God sees him as a representative man. He's the priest, the priest. So if he is rejected, no matter your good the whole year, you are rejected. <laughs> because the surety has to pledge, a surety must be wealthy and must be willing. He has to pledge his name, his title, his properties for what he's undertaking. Now Aaron, the priest, he himself must, <laughs> must qualify. Everything he's wearing is very important, plus a sacrifice. At the same time, if on that year, your priest is accepted, maybe you have done bad the whole year. But if your priest is accepted, you are accepted in his acceptance. So that year is a year of jubilation. Because the moment he's accepted, <laughs> he comes out and he cries Kula in Greek Tetelestai. It is finished. Anyway, it is not it is it's not part. It's just one. Finished. The English ad it is. He said finished. 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 And now they can look forward to bumper harvest. Victory from their over their enemies. Peace in their families, in their homes. All sorts of blessings because the high priest is accepted. So the acceptance brought the yearly blessing on them. Praise God. But the problem with the old covenant was this. This was a problem. So the priest was a surety. He had to pay for them. This, this was a problem. These were mortal men. So you can have a good priest who represents you. But after five years, maybe he dies. And another priest now stand up. And that priest is corrupt. And that corrupt priest now becomes a surety. And when he goes, he's rejected. And you are rejected. So there was much uncertainty. Because the priests were men and they, they died. 
But the reason why the Bible says that Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. You know why? The Bible speaks of his priesthood. Jesus is not like a, those priests. Because his priesthood didn't come by descent or by hereditary. His priesthood came by the word of oath. That were at a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we are speaking of eternal priesthood by the oath. God swore by his essential life. That his priesthood is eternal. If it is not, he denies himself. And because he is immortal and eternal and does not die. And because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Now look at the next verse. 22. All right. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And look at the next verse, 23. And they truly were many priests. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, this man, because he, he continued forever, continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. <laughs> That means we have no disappointment. Our priesthood is not changeable. That one priest was holy, was pure. He was accepted. And we are forever accepted in his acceptance. Once and for all. Unchangeable priesthood. Hallelujah. Now you know how the priest, how they were accepted. Exodus 28 verse 35. In the priestly garment, there was a kind of a, at a hem, was bells and pomegranate. You know why there were bells at the hem of his garment? When he enters, enters the holies of holies, he doesn't stand still. Jewish tradition tells us that there is, a, there is a rope on his waist so that if he dies, they pull him out because no one can go there. But as he's there, he moves his, his leg and makes the sounds. He makes sure his sound is heard. As when they hear the sound, they know he's alive and he's accepted. Look at it. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister. And his sound shall be heard. That's Aaron. When he goeth into the holy place before the Lord. And when he cometh out, that he die not. So as he's moving, the sound has been heard. But the, 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 the sound was a kind of hope for those who were outside. Because they know that, oh, he's not dead. <laughs> he's still alive. And when they hear the sound, that's a joyful sound. <laughs> Blessed are the people. It's the people that do know the joyful sound. That's a joyful sound. That's a gospel. Hallelujah. The sound of the acceptance. When Jesus also died, he produced a sound. Because he had to enter the holies of holies. In heaven, the true tabernacle. He entered there to obtain eternal redemption. You know, he produced a sound for us to know that the offering he presented was accepted. You know, when it was sounded, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. There was a great sound. The Greek actually said the rumbling of a tornado that precedes a storm. A heavy sound. That is a joyful sound. Saying, 
I am accepted because he went to the holiest and we are at the outer court. And when he entered, he said, the sacrifice has once and for all eternally been accepted. And because it has been once and for all eternally been accepted, you're also accepted in that acceptance. Therefore, you can look forward to victory over your enemies. You can look forward to family blessing. You can look forward to protection and security and preservation. You can look forward to peace. And you can look forward to promotion and abundance and health. You can look forward because in his redemption, he secured and procured and purchased all of these eternal blessings for us. He said it is finished. Hallelujah. The work is done. The work has been done. We can look forward to victory. Hallelujah. Oh, we are accepted. We are accepted. Now, now look at something in verse 38. Aaron shall bear the iniquity of the holy things. You know what it means? What is the iniquity? When the people of Israel bring their gifts to God, their gifts, whether the offerings, the sacrifices, and every kind of gift. If it is imperfect, they are, not, they are not to be blamed for it. God blames the high priest for their imperfection. If you like, go home and use other versions. You will, exp- you will understand what it means to bear the iniquity of the holy things. Everyone shall bear it. So the people have brought their gifts, their offerings, their sacrifices to God. All the imperfections with which they, are, they have brought and the shortcomings, Aaron is to be blamed for it. Because he's their representative. And the, but the Bible said, look at what the Bible said. For it shall be upon Aaron's head. Now what shall be upon Aaron's head? The previous verse, please. And thou shalt put it upon a blue lace. Let's go to verse 36. Thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness unto the Lord. It is written here. Let's go on. And thou shalt put it upon a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre. Upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts and it shall always be upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord once this holiness is upon his forehead representing how holy his thoughts are before God the people's offerings and gifts and prayer are accepted God doesn't look at their shortcomings because Aaron bears their blame you know what it means today jesus is our high priest our great high priest what are the iniquities of the holy things when you come to church your prayer your intercession your worship your praise your gift sometimes sometimes as we are worshiping we are just praising god like we're doing but your mind is calculating that you love rice in the house you understand you are calculating whether it's sufficient or whether when you close it should pass by a store you understand (laughs) 
You are praying. Everyone sees you praying, but in thought you are gone. Too many foolish things are moving through your head. Lord, we worship you, but all your concentration is on the dress of the... This dress is so nice. Wow. I wish I... So what do you do with all these thoughts? Should you stop and say, Lord, no, you don't have to stop. You know why? You have a high priest who is bearing the iniquity of the holy things. And on his forehead is holiness unto the Lord. The Lord is not looking at your thoughts. He's looking at his thoughts. That the people may be accepted. So your acceptance is in what is here. God is seeing his thought, not your thoughts. It's so powerful. So when all this blasphemous thought comes, you don't have to stop and say, Oh Lord, oh Lord, I'm sorry. No, just continue. Ignore and continue. <laughs> you know, those thoughts, that is not you. Thoughts come either from, either from the flesh or from the devil. And you are not in the flesh. If so be the Spirit of God will let in you. So it is not you. It's not, it's not you. The real you is not you. So just ignore and continue. Because all those foolish thoughts, you have a high priest. That they may be accepted. Because he's accepted and his thought is holy. You are accepted. Hallelujah. Oh, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You have no idea how these things liberate. You see, in my life, I was so much in bondage that I used to confess my sins hundred times a day. I feel like because I, because I never wanted to miss the rap, I didn't want to miss the rapture. You, you understand? So <laughs> sometimes I'll be I'll be preaching and I'll be confessing my sins. I feel like some thought has gone through my head. So whilst I'm preaching, I just do this, and the people think I'm in a spirit. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> and I, I'm just confessing my sins. You know, that thing led me into bondage until I saw what Jesus has done for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, Jesus is my surety. My. His blood eternally is, is, is speaking. His blood, his blood is there eternally speaking. That is the payment. And the Lord holds him liable because he co-signed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now when you know these things, you, you serve him with joy. You worship him. Hallelujah. Now, the next thing I want to address is that um, If you don't own your forgiveness in Christ, you cannot be effective in serving Him. You have to own it. You cannot be effective in serving Him. You can't be effective. Remember that Jesus took at the Lost Supper, He took the cup, the bread and the cup. When He took the cup, you know what He said? This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, cup stands for inheritance. Like the Bible says in the 
Psalm 19, Psalm 65. The Lord is my cup and the lot of my inheritance. Cup stands for inheritance. But Jesus took the cup and he said that uh, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament, Jesus died as a testator. He never died in testate. Our Lord didn't die in testate. You know, some of your fathers died in testate without any will. But Jesus died as a testator. All of his will, all that he has, he willed it to you. It's yours. Yeah, it's yours. But you know how it's accessible? The cup of the New Testament, which is in his blood, for what? The remission of sins. Once your sins are remitted and you know it, you can access your inheritance. Because guilt and condemnation it stands your way before you. It's a block, a blockade for your inheritance. Let me show you the whole picture of the new covenant or the new testament. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, let's start from verse 8. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Now this is the New Testament. And this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their heart. Now, that's the first blessing of the new covenant. He says, I'll put my laws into their mind and write them. Now, what does it mean for God to put his law in our mind and our heart? Simple. When his law is in your heart, it means you can easily design his will. Now, when God puts his law in your heart, you can design his will. It was said of our Lord Jesus in Psalm 40 verse 8. He said, I desire, I delight to do thy will. Thy law is in my heart. I delight to do thy will. Thy law is in my heart. I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. So, when his law is in your heart, you will know his will. His law is his will. This is the law of life, actually. His will. So the first blessing of the New Testament is that you, you know his will. You can discern his will. It's, it's not difficult to know God's will. The second blessing is that, and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. The second blessing is the blessing of miracles. If God says, I shall be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. You know what he's saying? What does it mean to say, I'll be to them a God? I'll be to them a God. I'll be to them a God. A God actually means, I'll act towards them all that my name is implied. Yeah. I'll be to them a God. I'll act towards them all that my name is implied. So for instance, if you are not feeling well, he's Jehovah Rapha. That's his name. The Lord that healeth. If you are lacking in something, he's Jehovah Jiri. He provides for you. Praise God. Yeah. If um, you want care, he's Jehovah Rohai. He's your shepherd. So he will act towards you order his name is implied. That is the blessing of miracles. So the first blessing in the New Testament is discerning his will. The second one is miracles. And the third one, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Intimacy. Intimacy with God. 
intimacy with God. So, designing his will, miracles, intimacy are the package of the new covenant. But how can you enjoy all of this? The next verse. For I will be merciful to the unrighteousness. Now, the, for I will, the Greek is haughty. Haughty. So the Greek says, haughty is H-O-T-I. The Greek says, precisely because their sins will be forgiven. Precisely because. So, all the blessing, all of the blessing, the three blessings of the new covenant is founded on the last clause of the covenant. The reason you can design his will, the reason for the miracles, the reason for the intimacy is precisely because, that's the Greek, precisely because I'll be propitious to the unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That is why whenever, whenever you walk in guilt and condemnation, designing his will is difficult. Working in miracles is difficult. Intimacy with God is difficult. Hallelujah. Yeah. Luke chapter 4. Now before then, Ephesians 1 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now the word forgiveness is the Greek word aphesis. The, the, the truth is that aphesis is, is Greek. You cannot have any word in English that explains aphesis. Although the Bible says forgiveness, because that's the best English you can render. But aphesis, you can't, there's no word in English that is directly transliterated from aphesis. The English words are very, that's why we have so many versions. In, in the Greek, we can have one word in the Greek and when you break it into English you will need about 12 words to describe that single word praise God okay what is aphesis? aphesis literally means to, to irretrievably remove it means total cancellation it means to permanently dismiss and to forfeit your rights in bringing it again Now it is the <laughs> it is the word we use for divorce. The word for Jesus sending away the multitude. The word in the Septuagint used for Aaron putting his hands on the scapegoat and sending it away to be torn by wild beast. That means their sins are on the scapegoat, but the good never come again. It is permanently dismissed. Praise God. Luke chapter four. Verse 18. Jesus, in his public, when his public ministry began, he entered the synagogue. When it was time for reading, the Bible says he opened the book of Isaiah and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. The next verse to preach the acceptable year of the Lord to preach the dectos year the word acceptable is dectos now we, we the year of grace is called a dectos year 
The word dectos in Greek is uh, the year in which the free favors of God profusely abound. We are in that year. The year in which the free favors of God profusely abound. We are in that year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many people go to heaven and they will look back and go like, ah, I only used 2% of what he gave me. It is profusely abounding. <laughs> now the acceptable year of the Lord literally is the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. You know the year of Jubilee, it happens once in 50 years. Now everybody looks forward to that year. It begins and at 9 a.m. the priest takes the ram's horn and blows it. The any moment you hear the sound of the ram's horn, that is it. Every slave goes free. No matter how you've served, every slave now goes free, is free. Every prisoner is released. If you are owing someone, the debt is automatically cancelled. <laughs> it was wild. No matter the amount. So in those days, when people are selling their land, they sell their land according to the year of Jubilee. How close it is. Yeah, because this is what happens. Whatever you've sold out or mortgaged, beyond the year of Jubilee, it comes back to you. Your land comes back to you. Your house comes back to you. Every slave goes free. People return back to their families. Every debt is cancelled. It was a powerful year. That's a year of Jubilee. So the moment you hear the sound, if you're a slave, prepare and go home. If you're a prisoner, oh, that's your, your, your day of liberty. Hallelujah. Leviticus 25 verse 10. The year of Jubilee. Leviticus 25 verse 10. And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land. The liberty was a ram's horn. The yobel. They sound a ram's horn. Not a ram's horn. A ram. Ram's horn. To have a, ram, a horn from a ram actually means the ram is dead. So the, the horn is, speaks of resurrection because it has come out of death. So the sounding of the ram's horn is the pro- proclamation of the death of the ram. Yeah. The ram's horn is the announcement of his death, his finished work. But he says, he shall hallow the fifth year and proclaim liberty. Now the word liberty in the Septuagint is the word aphesis. Aphesis. He shall proclaim forgiveness. So literally, the jubilee sound is forgiveness sound. The liberty is aphesis. So the when you hear the sound, you know what it means? Your sins are permanently dismissed. And as a result of that, all those blessings are now yours. Every slavery is broken. Every debt is cancelled. What a blessing. But you must know that sound. You must know your forgiveness. You must own it so you can walk in victory. Praise God. Now back to Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted, to preach deliverance. The word deliverance here is aphesis. Can you imagine? 
That's what I'm saying. That you can't have one word to describe it. The word deliverance here is a thesis to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at a thesis them that are bruised. So, in one verse, we have a thesis twice. The word, <laughs> the, the word liberty is a thesis, the word deliverance is a thesis. So, you can, you can <laughs> to preach forgiveness to the captives is the same word deliverance to the captives. Those who are bruised, what they need is forgiveness. The word liberty is still forgiveness. This is it. Forgiveness is deliverance. Now understand this. The sin you think you are not forgiven of becomes your master and enslaves you forever. For instance, maybe you are struggling with gossip. <laughs> you are struggling with stealing. Yesterday, a, a, a church member went to steal something big to go and give to his pastor as a seed. <laughs> Can you imagine? Once you know that sin is not forgiven, the sin reigns over you. Because forgiveness is deliverance. Aphesis means deliverance from bondage and from captivity. For instance, if maybe you are owing me, okay, you are owing me, or let's say you are owing someone, the person is a creditor. Whenever you see him, you run away. Or you tell your children to tell him you are not around. Do you know that because you are owing him, he has the power to imprison you? Because you are indebted. You are owing, so he can imprison you. But once you pay, he has forfeited his rights to imprison you. Once your sins are forgiven, that sin cannot enslave you again. So most of the times, the very sins you are struggling with, you know the problem is that you are in guilt and bondage. Once you are in guilt and bondage, that sin reigns over you. But the Bible says that sin shall not have dominion over you. One proof that you are under grace is that sin cannot reign over you. Yeah. But for sin not to reign, you must know the extent of your forgiveness. Because the extent of your forgiveness is the extent of your deliverance from that sin. You cannot be enslaved to it. Hallelujah. That is what Jesus told the woman. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He gave him her first, the gift of no condemnation. Then he says, go and sin no more. A modern preacher would have reversed it and said, go and sin no more so that you will not be condemned. Now think about it. A modern preacher would have said, my brother, go and sin no more and you will not be condemned. But Jesus said, no, I don't condemn you. Neither do I. He gave her the gift of no condemnation. And said, go and see no more. Once you know you are not condemned, you have the power not to repeat it. <laughs> you understand? But when you are under guilt and condemnation, because in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. The word in the Greek 
also has a civil connotation, which means to be without strength, strengthlessness. There is now therefore no strengthlessness to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you are condemned legally, you lose strength. You lose strength. Condemnation causes you to lose, lose your strength. To overcome that thing. Hallelujah. That is why Jesus has given us eternal forgiveness. So we can be eternally free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Once you know you are forgiven, you know you are delivered. You are free. Sometimes we touch the fruit and not the root. For instance, a lot of people who struggle with pornography and masturbation, and we tell them to stop, stop, stop. That's not the way. Most of that is rooted in rejection. The more they know the love of God, the more they are delivered. 90% of them have a history of rejection. Praise God. All right. Now let me show you what Jesus did in our close. Lastly, at the mercy seat, can you show the mercy seat? The mercy seat. The seat. Um, uh-huh. This is a. This is a. Just a poor illustration. But let's take it like that. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you see, because their wings are too small. You see, their wings are too small. <laughs> but the but biblical description is bigger than this. You see the cherubim on it. Now, this is a picture of God's throne. The message is a picture of God's throne. And uh, there are the cherubim. Exodus 25, 18 mentions the cherubims of gold. But Hebrews 9, 5 mentions the cherubims of glory. One says the cherubims of gold. The other one says the cherubims of what? Glory. Which means gold is glory. Gold stands for glory. Hallelujah. Now these cherubims represent the glory of God. But over here, they are also representing God's judicial glory. Now, these cherubims, you know what they do? Their ministries are around the throne of God. Lucifer was one of them. Because in Ezekiel 28, verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. That's the ministry. It's around the throne. They protect the throne from what? They are guardians of the righteousness and the justice which the, the foundation of the throne represent justice and righteousness are the, are, the, are the foundation of the throne of your throne so they the cherubims you know who, who they are they are administrators of God's justice and they are also executors of God's judgment now can you bring the picture again please originally they were three but now they are two you see, the cherubims on the Ark of the Covenant are two. Originally, they were three. Lucifer was one of them, and he lost his place. 
Now, these are, they are not just administrators, but they are divine witnesses. They are witnesses to a certain work. There were three. And Prof. Manasseh says three is maximum witness. How many of you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two is also witness anyway. But they are witnessing to something. Now, these cherubims, what they do is that they execute God's justice, God's judgment, and they administrate God's justice. That is why when Adam sinned, you know what happened? The two cherubim went into Eden and drove Adam away. And there was a fiery sword turning every way to prevent Adam from going there. If Adam tries to get back to the tree of life, the sword will do its work. Because to get back to God's presence, he must pay by death. That's what the flaming sword was all around. That was only qualification to get back to God's presence. So the sword waited. Yeah, it's waited until Zechariah 13 verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow. That's why Christ received the sword. He received the sword by his side. So we can, have, we can go back for his, to the Father's presence. But now, these cherubim, you know what they were doing? They were executing God's justice. They made sure that Adam doesn't go back. That's their work. So they are around the throne. The, the, the justice, the judgment, and all of that. But this is, this is examine carefully. Their wings are spreading out and they are looking on the mercy seat. As if they are looking to, towards each other, but their gaze is on the mercy seat. In fact, it is an intense gaze. They are looking steadfastly and they are witnesses and they are demonstrators of God's justice and they execute God's judgment and they are witnesses. Why are they constantly, constantly looking down? <laughs> which things the angels desire to look into it's an intense gaze what are they looking their eyes actually represent God's judicial eyes and they never take their eyes from where they are looking what are they looking the blood on the day of Yom Kippur the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat and they are looking at the blood this way. Their eyes represent the eyes of God. And they are a witness, testimony to what is happening. They never take their eyes from the blood. They are looking. Justice is looking. Why? What is the implication of the sprinkled blood? Remember, God said that. How did I come here? I thought I was standing here. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> the wages of sin is death. So when you sin, the wages is death. It's punishable by death. Now when you see the blood, what does it mean? Blood means death has already occurred. Now when you see the blood on the floor, what does it mean? Death has occurred. Blood means that judgment has already been executed. And justice has done its work. That's blood. That is why when God sees the blood, 
he has to pass over. So in Egypt, they had to put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. The doorpost and the lintel forms the shape of the cross. So when the destroying angel passes by, he sees the blood. You know what it means? It's, oh, death has already occurred here. Judgment has already been executed here. God cannot judge what has already been judged. That will be the law of double jeopardy. He cannot exact double payment for one offense. He cannot. So when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, it means judgment is passed, it has already been executed, death has occurred. So the blood, therefore, represents the receipts of payment. It is blood that make it atone, it, it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. So the blood is the receipt of payment. So now, these cherubims, they are looking. You know what they are saying? The receipt of payment. It has been paid. It has been paid. It has been paid. It has been paid. Justice is satisfied. God's inflexible justice is satisfied. His impartial justice is satisfied. His inexorable justice is satisfied. They see the payment. Now, when you are owing and you have the receipt, you cannot see the debt and the receipt at the same time. The receipt implies that the debt has been paid and is cancelled. Now, let me explain Numbers 23 verse 21. Numbers 23 verse 21. Look at what it said. Balaam stood on a mount he was about to curse Israel, and this is what he said. He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. Years ago, when I read it, I said, Oh, the first lie in the Bible. Because these guys are very stubborn. <laughs> He's not saying they had not sinned or there was no iniquity, but he said he has not seen it. He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither has he seen perverseness. Because, you know, God's eyes are represented with the judicial eyes of the cherubim. They don't take their eyes from the blood. And while they see the blood, you know what they see? They see the payment of our sins. They, they see the receipt of payment. They can't see the receipt of payment and see the debt. See the blood. That is why all of Israel's problem was when they went into idolatry. Because when they get, got into idolatry, they skipped the day of atonement many times and wrath came upon them. But once, that's why God was concerned with the idolatry more than any other thing. Because when there's idolatry, they, they skipped the atonement and wrath came upon them. But when the blood was sprinkled, the eyes, what they see, this is the receipt. They have already been punished. They have already been punished. Judgment is passed. It has already been executed. Death has already occurred. This is the receipt of payment. God cannot see the blood, the payment, and still see your sin. And remember, this is the blood of bulls and the blood of goat, which the Father honored. So if God honors the blood of bulls and goat and could not see this, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unto God, 
our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. He is not entered into the holy places made with hands, but into heaven itself now to appear before the presence of God for us. How much more shall the efficacy of the blood of the everlasting covenant it has been sprinkled once and for all on the throne of God and today God cannot at one single moment take his eyes from the blood if God takes his eyes from the blood he has dishonored the blood of Jesus his eyes constantly is on the blood so what the father sees is the payment is the payment is the payment he never sees sin on his people he sees the blood he sees the blood he sees the blood he sees the blood he sees the payment and Jesus is exalted Jesus is honored he made an end of sins he is a transgression made reconciliation for iniquity and brought in everlasting righteousness see what God sees what God sees, not what man sees. God sees the blood, his judicial eyes, his justice today is on our side. He cannot compromise his justice, he cannot because he's inflexibly just. Now the blood is speaking. The blood is speaking. The blood is speaking. Hallelujah. Not only that, the blood was sprinkled once on the mercy seat, but seven times before the mercy seat. Seven times. So before the mercy seat was seven times on the mercy seat was once why seven times before the mercy seat was where we stand to commune with god you know where we stand is the mark of the blood the word blessing in english you know where it came from even in english the word blessing is from the word blood seeing blood seeing means the mark of the blood the place we stand is a sprinkled blood that spot we are in the place of the blessing why was it sprinkled seven times because jesus shed his blood seven times and when Jesus shed his blood, when he rose from the dead, he collected his blood. He shed his blood in Gethsemane, shed his blood in the house of Caiaphas, shed his blood in the, in the Praetorium, shed his blood in Golgotha. Now Jesus, the first place he shed his blood was in Gethsemane, through his sweat. The second place he shed his blood, the Bible says they smote him with the palms of their hands. The Greek said, in the Greek, they smote him with their fist and with rot. Rot. So blood came on his face. Yeah, his visage was marred more than any man, <laughs> and his countenance more than the sons of men. And thirdly, he was sketched. They sketched him with a flagellum, which was like octopus in the shape of the octopus, which was 12, 12 strands in one, embedded with glasses and stones and bones and metals. So when it gets into your flesh, it separates the skin from the flesh. Yeah. So he was caged. That's the third place. The fourth place, they pulled his beard. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that pulled the beard. They pulled it and blood came out. The fourth one, they took a crown of thorns and pressed it in his cup. Hallelujah. In his cup, he took a crown of thorns. The next one, Jesus shared his blood in his hands and in his feet the last place he was pierced on the side every place he shed his blood was redemptive in his sweat to de deliver you from stress on his face to restore your dignity honor and identity 
and shame and reproach and ignominy. He was caged. That was for your healing. It was for your healing. The kind of thorns, the kind of thorns, so that the curse on the ground may be lifted. You will not struggle to feed your children. He took that curse. He took it away. His hands, so that the work of your hands will be blessed. His legs, so you can walk with God. His side, hallelujah. Jesus did all of these things for us. And each one of them, all the seven places, he sprinkled in front of the throne of grace. And that is where we stand. Total redemption by the blood. Total restoration by the blood. Total recovery by the blood. He said it is finished. All things are done. Hallelujah. It is time for joy. Blessed is the people that do know the joyful sound. We know the joyful sound. He has conquered the battle. He has won the victory. Jesus. He saw the travail of his soul. He was satisfied. Hey. He won the victory. The blood is speaking today. The blood is speaking today. The blood is speaking justification. The blood is speaking forgiveness. The blood is speaking redemption. The blood is speaking health and healing and prosperity. Hey. God is happy. God is satisfied. Hey. Jesus has finished the work. This is our day. This is our moment. We walk in the riches of redemption. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness towards us by Christ Jesus. This is the grace of God. This is his favor. The vast array, the unsearchable riches, unfathomable riches in Christ Jesus. Your deliverance is now. Your restoration is now. Your recovery is now. Your uplifting is now. From today, you cease to sweat. From today, you cease to struggle. From today, things are falling in place. From today, there is a divine alignment. From today, good things are coming to you. From today, it's a time of laughter. It's a time of joy. From today, you are in a new realm, a new phase, a new sphere, a new cove. From today, things are not the same. There is a change. There is a switch. There is a drift. From today, you are in glory. Manifesting glory. Manifesting grace. Manifesting power. It is your day. Every curse every limitation anything that is in Adam you are severed anything in Adam will never happen to you it's your moment of joy your family is restored your husband is restored your wife is restored your relationship is restored your money is restored wisdom is restored prudence is restored everything is restored you are highly favored, highly favored, highly favored.
highly favored. Favor will pursue you. Favor will hunt you. On every side, your face will beam with joy. Your face will beam with laughter. It's your moment. This is your day. You'll never be the same. Roma Sambara Sunday be Sunday. You are never the same. You are exalted. You are on high. The munitions of the rocks. It's your lofty habitation. Really, silly, 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 silly. Defeat is ended. Defeat is behind you. Whichever area in your life you have suffered defeat. Tonight, it's a new chapter. Tonight, it's a new phase in your life by the blood of the sprinkling. Here is Shemara Sunday. Shabale Ileba Sunday. Bakata. Yebele Shata. Hey! Begin to prophesy by the blood. In Mata, you have automatic rhythms. Automatic rhythms. You are delivered from harm, delivered from danger, delivered from harm, delivered from danger. Automatic rhythms. No more consciousness of sins. No more guilt. No more condemnation. I am in him. What he is, I am. As he is, so are we in this world. Glory to his holy name.